Alrighty, we're back for another exciting edition of Cloverleaf Radio. I'm the host of the most, the king of the quarantine, Jimmy Falcon. And joining me for the first time in about a year since we were knee-deep in quarantine hell, gorgeous ladies of wrestling's Gremlina is my co-host and our special guest, Nikita Brezhnikov. How are you two? I'm doing good. How about you guys? I'm wonderful, Gremlina. I'm wonderful. I've been really hanging out with a lot of your friends at Cauliflower Alley from Blow. I see that. I yes. haven't been able to get out to Cauliflower Alley. Yes, and I'll tell you, I don't know about this year. This year, eh, because of the postponements and everything else, I don't know. I, I would love to. I'm not saying no, but it's going to be tough. I'll say that. Well, if anyone's been following Facebook, I've had an interesting year, and I don't think I'm going to make it this year. Not only because of my health, etc., but I've got some con bookings coming up. So Woo-hoo. good, good. You got to make the money too. You know, it's, you it's know, the way it is. You know, and it costs money to go to Cauliflower Alley. Yes, they don't pay us; we pay them. So yeah, that's a double banger, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. It's wonderful, and no question about it. But. Uh, when you got to pay the bills, the power company and the mortgage and everybody else, they don't want to hear excuses that you had a good time. They want their money. So that's it. Yeah. You know, darn it, I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, they never Autograph stop. pictures only get you so far. Yeah. So what have you guys oh, been up to? How's, uh, how's the last year been for you guys with COVID and whatnot? stayed healthy good uh the, the wife and i we got our shots we had to fight like the devil to get them well you got your fauci ouchie oh yeah we got it but i tell you you know there's a lot of information out there yes. and i i'm already involved i mean my age we were vaccination central we were getting vaccinated for everything when i was a kid so it's no big deal but you know, everybody's got their own theory and conspiracy-minded and stuff like that, and then it gets a little bit stupid, so I just thought it was the thing to do, and I'm glad we did it. Well, um, I got my shot. I had no reaction. Everything went fine, so I'm with you on that. Um, as for me, Jimmy, this past year, let's see. COVID, I worked from home a lot, uh, temporary assignments on and off, mm-hmm. same, with, same with the hubs. Of course, all my my bookings for 2020 were canceled. Same. Um, and in April, um, I had a heart attack. Yeah. And you, now we got to give you, that was terrible, but we got to give you a big boost. You've lost a lot of weight. I've been following you. Yeah. Um, well, it's weird. I found out a few things. Uh, and for any female listeners, listen to your body. We have a different way of having a heart attack than men do. It's yes. And um, after I, ha- I had AFib, and they fixed the AFib, and then found out that two of my arteries were 95% blocked. Jeez. So I had two stints put in, and the doctors are like, "Well, you can change your lifestyle, or have to worry about another one." So I started dieting, exercise, cut out soda, and um, that's hard. 
I'm down 18 pounds and I'm doing much better. And then awesome. on top of all that, I was I was diagnosed with sleep apnea. So I have a sleep oh. apnea machine now. Oh, I know I'm familiar with that one. I don't use it, the wife does, but it's like, oh, you day. I'm my, surprised. I'm my, surprised they don't give that to dogs. Every time you turn around, CPAP, CPAP, it's like, man, get out of town. How the hell did our grandparents survive all those years? <laughs> Snoring really I loud. Know, but they did a test. When they did a test on me, a sleep test, I stopped breathing 22 times in an hour. Woohoo! That's a lot. Yeah. Now that's, it's... that's what they say, though. You know, and it's like <laughs> it, it, the wife they say same thing, 150 times an hour, and all this stuff. It's like, then why are you dead? I mean, she was no young person when they discovered this. It's like, then how did you survive all of I don't get it. Well, your body wakes you up. That's why you have people that have insomnia and stuff. Your body yeah. will wake you up constantly. And My girlfriend's got what, it. It's, that's it's what fine. was happening with me. I was right. getting maybe two to three hours of if not a night's sleep. And, yeah. you know, once the heart thing happened, I got hit with a ton of tests and all. And, you know, I'm glad I did because I'm much healthier now. I'm getting better. I'm getting yeah. stronger Good. every day and more active. So, yeah, it was bad, but it's also been a good thing. And you know you gotta one you gotta what you're saying is a good thing because everybody thinks breast cancer is the biggest killer of women, but they're very susceptible to heart attacks. It's unbelievable yeah. when you look That's at the numbers. More women die of heart attacks than men because, as in my case, it felt like a panic attack. I was yeah. having trouble, I couldn't breathe. I was having trouble breathing, and then I just felt slight tight in my chest no pain just right. a, a, a very slight tightness that didn't last long and then I was just clammy and I just mm. felt like I couldn't catch my breath and that's why they call it the silent killer of women because it is it's just that insidious fortunately mm. mine was very mild I had a, what they call a stage four for my and next to me knowing you know, telling my hubby, look, you know, this is, I'm not, something's wrong, get me to the ER. I would I was in AFib. I was doing over 227 beats a minute when I got to the ER. My heart rhythm and everything was off and thankfully with the testing and nowadays, they fixed the AFib, they fixed the blockages and it's just a change in diet and exercise. To, That's the, it. to keep healthy and how's hubby doing is he better too he he's doing better he he had his little brush in 2018 right you know, i still kicked his butt because he gained back to a lot of the weight he had lost and mm. he, started, wow. he started smoking again so you know me being the the sweet docile wife i am not yeah, we don't want to hear smoking. No smoke. I give him hell. And, and you? Fortunately, fortunately, the doctors put him on Chantix, and he's just about licked it. Good. Very good. Because <laughs> you hit the other nail on the head, soda. Because I did that. I dropped soda in 2003 because I 
it was a, when I was still living back east and it was a hot day. So I would knock out easily four or five, maybe six Pepsis a day. I loved that. Oh, and that was me. That's my me. My favorite soda. Then I went to uh, take my mother out to dinner because the wife was visiting her family. And I said, man, mom, I feel terrible. Actually, I said, I feel like shit. She said, well, well, what's wrong? I said, I feel like I'm going to hit the deck. And we were at the restaurant. I said, I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to have to take you back home. So I got to thinking. I took, she has one of those. Well, she did. She's gone now. But she had one of those blood pressure gimmicks. And uh, I said, well, take my blood pressure. And it was off the charts. I said, that's, that's not normal for me. And then I start thinking. Oh, you know what? I was drinking all that damn soda today. And I tell you guys, that day, I never looked back. And just as you said, I immediately took like two pounds. Boom. So just cut well, down the soda. It's funny because in March, before all this happened, I weighed 169 pounds. I cut soda out. I now drink water and tea. And I went from two to six cans of soda a day down to... Maybe one can a week, if that. Right. Yeah. And the rest of the time, it's water and tea. And I'm down 18 pounds. Plus, yeah. I, you know, plus I'm eating more fish and chicken. I'm watching the red meat, more veggies. I'm just... You know, I, tell me. I never thought I would go with water as a, a standard drink. I'm like, ah, man. But you know, when it's cold, you uh, don't drink it out of the faucet. That's terrible. It tastes like crap. What we do, we boil it. We have a kettle, and we keep it in the fridge. And it's great. It's I like, have man. a water filter on my my sink. Well, there you go. Whatever makes it work, and that's perfect. And it's yeah. like, wow, beautiful, man. You know, yeah. stuff like yeah. this. It's like if you just sat here and told me. That at 57, I'd have a muscle heart attack, and all. I'd be like, you're full of it. But, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm just grateful I had some great doctors. Uh, I have a great husband who he does everything he can to keep me stress-free. My blood pressure's down to normal now. I'm, you know, of course I have to take blood thinners and medicine and stuff, but yeah, you know, it's every day it's like... My breathing is better, my energy is better, and that is, you know, I just, you know, I'm grateful, you know, it's going to sound sick, but I'm grateful it happened. It made me wake up and get healthy. I got you. I got it. I know what you're saying, without a doubt. So that's what's been going on with me, Jimmy. Well, for me, you know about my book, right? Yes. I been told. And for me, the, that actually came out at Cauliflower Alley in 2019. And I was scheduled to go back last year before the COVID hit, but I've done a ton of podcasts on it. Look, nobody's going to make a million dollars. In fact, the great Scott Teal, who published it, in fact, he said, look, Nikita, we don't we want to make money, obviously. That's the goal, but... I do this to preserve history and preserve wrestling for the future generation. I said, well, Scott, I'm happy to, to be here then. Uh, count me in. That's the way I'm looking at it, too, because I had a horrible childhood. 
emotionally abused and it was always there for me and they were always there for me. So it was like, this is my give back to wrestling. And if I make money at it, well, I'm happy. But uh, if I don't, I still feel like I'm ahead of the game. So that's perfect. And the good thing about it is the way it's presented and the reviews that I get from people of that time, you had to be basically not just a kid, but somebody that was a fan of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation in the 70s. And it hits, it touches all the chords. And a lot of people will say, hey, it reminds me of being with my father at the arena or watching television with my grandfather. And it's like, watching wrestling, of course. And it's like, that's great. That's exactly what I wanted to touch upon because you know we got so much bullshit out there politics this that everybody hates this everybody by that put something out there that people can like it used to be a catharsis for us and escape that's what I wanted the book to be and so far it's a success that way well I look at it this way it's show and I'm sorry I hate this cancel culture crap because it's changing the way I grew up it's changing the history I grew up with it's changing the history I know for facts it's changing my enjoyment of entertainment yep SNL is a big you know if, if you don't like something you could always change the channel or you can get up and leave the theater or whatever. But if somebody doesn't like it now, they want to burn the house down and you can't watch it neither. I don't want anybody else to see it. It's like, cut it out, man. Just cut it out. Yeah. And, and, and no offense, especially things about history being, you know, living in the South like I do. Taking right. down statues, getting rid of monuments, it's not going to erase what happened. No. It happened. It was unfortunate. It was bad. It was wrong. History happened. And for people to grow as a culture and as a civilization, we must learn from our mistakes. If we close our eyes and run away from it, yeah. how are you going to make sure it never happens again? It's like, well, come on, man. I was just going to say, those who did not learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. Yes, without a doubt. You know, so, but, you know, that's the problem with music, TV, books, movies today. Everybody, I mean, and we're talking stuff that are classics. For God's sake, people got offended about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's the message about standing up to bullies and being proud of being different. Right. Yeah, what happened to that bully thing? That was the biggie for a while. Now the bully stuff is gone. Nobody talks about bullying anymore. You know? Because if they don't like what you, if you don't like what they like, then they do bully you, and that's acceptable now. About a year ago, God help you, there was no such thing as being able to bully. So it's like, I don't know. I just try to live in my own world and stay the hell away from all of the other stuff and say, Amen. please, God, let me be happy. Amen. It's like, whatever. It's like I have people to try to goad me into 
discussions. And if y'all notice my page, I don't get into anything heavy political. I do stupid shit. I post crazy fun memes. Yes. I Same here. Positive stuff. You know, this if you you know I'm well, Grammy. Grammy, I, I try to stay ninety five percent wrestling and there's still idiots that wanna to go to war about things. And it's like what the I said, look, one rule I will never argue about wrestling. I love it too much. You know, whatever your view is is your view, but people they just wanna gouge your eyes out if you don't agree. It's like oh stop it. Well that's like people who people you know okay. I don't like wrestling the way it is today. I I I'm sorry, I'm old school. The last time I actively really watched wrestling was 94, except Jesus. occasions when Roddy Piper would make an appearance. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And then I have these assholes who sit there and who tell me, Glow was a joke. Glow wasn't wrestling. You weren't a real Glow girl. You weren't a wrestler. And I'm like, whatever. Believe what you want. Think what you want. I'm not going to argue with you. Right. Was Glow Wrestling as you would standard textbook it? No. But we were wrestlers, we did train, we did work hard, <clears throat> and we added camp to it. Okay. You know what, Grimmy? Huh? I think about it like uh, Glow was the first form of sports entertainment. Exactly. That's what it was. Very and if you good. remember, Matt Simber has said countless times, he wanted it to be like Mad Magazine meets Hee Haw. <laughs> <laughs> Hee Haw, that's great. And, you know, I'm proud of what those ladies and I accomplished. You know, sure. say, say what you will Absolutely. about it. Here it is, 30, 30, over 30 years later. People are still watching it. People are still talking about it. We still get invited to conventions. We still get asked to do interviews. We still get people going, oh, my God. You know, so whatever. I look at it this way. Haters going to hate. That's bad. Yeah. I, I did it because I loved wrestling and I had fun. That's it. Yep. And you know I could I would be remiss and, and upset if I didn't mention the passing of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Oh yeah. I know that is sad. We have lost somebody posted a picture of the Heenan family, which I stole. There's not one member of the Heenan family alive now. Oh wow. All right. Yeah, yeah. I saw that on Evan Ginsburg's page. Yeah. They're all gone. Too many people have gone. I mean, and we're unfortunately at that age where it's going to be happening. And, but it doesn't make it any easier. It's like, wow. Yeah. I, I, I mean, hate to, uh, I hate to look. we lost Tracy Smothers not too long ago, my mentor in wrestling and a, a, lo a long-time yeah. friend, uh, a true legend. Oh, now, see, I didn't know that, Jimmy, because I really hit it off at Cauliflower Alley with his daughter. Jesse, Jesse Bell, Bell. Yeah. yes, oh my, yeah, what a talent, I mean, there's uh, WWE and anybody else that, hey, they're all idiots if they don't put her on television, 
I'm putting her on the top of their lineup because she can get it done. Oh, yeah. Well, look at her father. Look at who trained her. Right. Yes. Anybody trained by old school, they got it. And she carries that old school respect, which is just, you can't find that anymore, you know? Oh, and uh, I'll get back off my soapbox. And anyone who says uh, Glow was a legitimate, we were trained by Mondo Guerrero. There you go. Hello. There you go. (laughs) You know, they were Glow was, the, the original Glows were trained by Mondo. Hello. Enough said, off the mic, done. Yeah. Everybody's an expert today. <laughs> Everybody wants to tell you what they don't know. Yeah. But let them get in that ring. Stay. I dare them to. No, I hear you. I hear you 100% on that one. Let them go to one training session at a legitimate school. Right. You know what I'm talking about, Jimmy and Nikita. I know you know what I'm talking about. Well, oh, yeah. um, Eric Young told me years ago that, you know, if you're tra- someone was asking him about, like, a wrestling training or whatever, he said if you go to a school and the person that's training you hasn't been on television, you're not worth being trained by. Exactly. Because you don't know where they've been. You know, if it's Harley Johnson, you know, from down on Sycamore Street, you know, he could have just started out of nowhere, and now he's trained 15 guys to break each other's necks. Like, it's ridiculous. I hear you. Yeah, and no offense, it's it's too dangerous in there to have people that are poorly trained. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it is dangerous enough when everybody knows what they're doing, and mm-hmm. accidents happen, and sometimes you miss a spot, and it can be fatal. But when you get to, and that's why I posted a picture on Facebook the other day, uh, because it, it was a stunt that was done in a movie that I was in. And I said, now, this is how you take a fall from a height. This is how they do it in Hollywood. They have a padding. They have uh, one of the greatest stunt coordinators, Dave Boucher, there to guide everybody along. So somebody was showing these goofy kids jumping off a roof, like suplexing each other into a day off a second story roof. And it's like, you heard them screaming in agony, obviously, afterwards. And it's like, what? What the hell goes through people's minds? It's ridiculous. And at that point, call the ambulance. They'll be back doing you once they get patched up. But they see that shit on television, and it's got nothing to do with wrestling. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. High spots. And what did you say, Jimmy? The high spots are the worst, especially in backyard wrestling. You're definitely going to snap your neck if you're stupid doing those kind of things. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, back to the cauliflower alley when uh, Drew Andrew Anderson was being inducted to uh, Kevin Sullivan did the honors, and he gave a pretty good speech, and he said, listen, to all you young ones out there, it's not called spotting, it's called wrestling. Mm -hmm. The spot is one spot, not spot after spot, and it's like, boy, he just said it all right there, you can all go home, that's it. Kevin's been around the block a few times, come on. That's it. (laughs) But, you know, people just think, you know, you gotta get over this. He, he knows, and you got to get over the Superman complex 
nobody wants to sell. And then this crazy thing of, well, now he did this whatever, or he triple backflipped and came off the turbo. It's like, that doesn't impress anybody anymore. Nikolai used to say, would they go to cut the head off next? Because everybody <laughs> does, you know, the bullshit. It's like, yeah. Yeah, they have if, you're gonna, if you're going to do a triple somersault, join the Olympic team. Well, there you go. If you're going to do stuff like that, join the gymnastics team for the Olympics. That's another one where, yeah, you got to leave it to the pros because you just don't know what the hell you're doing and trying to imitate just ain't going to work. First, you need to work out. Get yourself in shape. Yeah, and, and if these stupid kids don't realize that if you hit those ropes wrong, you can severely damage yourself. Yeah. But on a happy note, we still have wrestling. And I, I go to my collection. I don't really follow anything that's on television today. I don't even have cable right now. I think the wife wants it back for the Olympics, so i got to look into that. But mm-hmm. it, uh, other than that, it... Uh, See, when I want to see it, I mean, there's, you can get it on the net and all that stuff. No, I have no interest. I couldn't tell you 10 names today on the, in WWE or AEW. I know they brought back all the dinosaurs. <laughs> and Chief used to tell me, you know, you ain't going to do anything with dinosaurs. That just doesn't work. You need uh, younger talent. You need somebody that's going to captivate. And, you know, they're doing what they're doing, but... Uh, you know, they got more money than I do, so I guess I should shut the hell up because they, they have some, they have a television slot. They have, uh, I guess they still do arenas. That's starting to come back. And, and that, unfortunately, with COVID, it took everybody back, I don't know, maybe five years. It's going to be hard. I will, I will give credit, and God knows this pains me to say it because you know how I hate Benny McMack at times, but... When he came out at Raw this week, and it's the first live arena show in over a year, he walked out, he looked around the arena, and all he said was, where the hell have you been? And then he left. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. Remlina, you just that, said you haven't watched wrestling since 1994. Now you're talking about last Monday night on Raw. What the hell? Because somebody sends me damn YouTube Whatever. videos. Whatever, you know you're watching it. I'm not. I have a friend that sends me YouTube videos. Yeah, we all got friends. So, uh, Nikita. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Oh, God. So, Nikita, what's up in the acting field, my friend? How's acting going? Well, I just had a movie release called Insight. Now, I I only have a cameo in that. So, it's, uh, you have to, don't blink or you'll miss me. But... <laughs> You know, that's been dead, too, because nobody could get anything done. With uh, they, they were trying to keep some things in production, but it was just so hard. People were cautious, and, you know, you don't want to go without the mask at the height of the virus. So everything is just starting to get its legs back under it right now. So here they come. Uh, you know, they're trying to get things up and running. Some sh- I know there were shows that did keep going, but there were, I'd say maybe 20% capacity was the workload. Everything, it was just cut down because you can't do what you normally do when you have to somebody 
that you got to look at the next person that you're trying to, because you're going to have to be close in an acting yeah. setting. And it's like, well, you don't want to get infected. You don't want to get uh, and COVID and all of If I'm not mistaken, actors that were, did come back to work, didn't they have to be quarantined for two weeks before they could start shooting? If they had to travel, like to Vancouver or something? That's possible because I, I couldn't tell you because I wasn't a part of any of it for, I was out of it. I mean, even auditions dried up. There were some things where they were doing online, you know, with the computer, just at, it being ready for when the veil was lifted, but not a lot. There wasn't a whole lot, I'll tell you. Well, I remember reading some articles where, yeah, actors in the series actually had to be quarantined for two or three weeks before and after shooting. I wouldn't doubt it. You know, hey, we had to cancel. We were supposed to have a our fourth annual Glow cruise in 2020. That had to be canceled. Right. I, did, I do follow all of you from Glow, and I did see, like, updates coming in with that. And it was like, man, can you imagine the money that was lost over the course of this year and a half in so many venues? Some companies are still not recovering. I, and the scary thing of it is, Grammy, so many shut the doors, they just couldn't keep it up anymore. Oh, I can't tell you how many mom-and-pop businesses and stuff here in Richmond that went under. Yes. I, it worries me how we're going to come back from all of this. And I know we're getting close. Uh, I hear all these complaints about, well, you know, people don't want to go to work, and it's like, ah, I don't know that that's the case. I think the problem is if you're going to bring people back and they can only do part-time, they're not going to break your door down over that. That's going to be yeah, something. What I think is, it's what I found. I mean, I had a, an assignment I loved. I worked uh, a temp assignment, and I was going into two years. But because COVID hit their bottom line, they had to shelve a lot of stuff because they lost money. It wasn't in the budgets. And good people had to be shelved or not considered for a permanent position because the budgets got screwed up because of COVID. And these are are multinational companies. So I think it's a bigger hit than people think. And yeah, I think, I think part of it is yeah. There's a lot of these lazy jerks out here that would you know, hey, the government's paying me not to work, and then there's the people that really want to work, but the companies just don't have the money right now to bring them back yet. No. I'm hoping that will turn around, but oh my god, it's got to because some things that happen. Where like if you have a if you need to replace something, geez, I know at the height of COVID, God help you if you needed a refrigerator or a stove or anything like that, you were going to be waiting six to eight months. Oh, it's like, phew, what the hell are you supposed to do? These are necessities. Well, even you know when I was on a waiting list for my CPAP machine because Philips, Philips, one of the main manufacturers, had a recall and B. It, it, COVID just shut down productions. Mm. It yeah. did shut down production. That's for sure on a lot of things. Yeah. 
So I mean, I, I wish you luck with that. I tell you because we got to be happy. We're here for, as we were just talking about those that have left us. We're only here for a limited amount of time, so it's like we got to make the best of it. So oh, yeah. let's let's do it the right way. Let's be happy and healthy. That's the key. Yep, and it has made a difference, and I'm happy about that. But, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's think about it for a second. What's some good stuff to happen in 2020, Grimlini? You lost weight. Uh, you changed your diet. You cut soda out. Uh, Nikita, Nikita probably did some awesome stuff that he did, just didn't discuss. Um, I met my girlfriend. Well, I got with my girlfriend. Um, Beautiful, Jimmy. I'm glad a, to hear that. Did a bunch. Uh, took a bunch. Uh, took some trips. Went to a winery for the first uh, first time. Went to uh, my first stand-up comedy show for the first time. I mean, it wasn't a horrible year. It could have been better. Uh, but oh, and um, marijuana became legal in Illinois, so you know, twenty twenty was decent. <laughs> hey, Good. it did in Richmond. It did in Virginia too. Well, there you go. They are we bringing in it. billions. We survived it, and I'm That's sure right. there's going to be a T-shirt one day that says "I survived COVID." <laughs> and when people were freaking out about it, I was talking to people, and you know, my grandparents that raised me from birth. My granddad was born in 1910. My grandma was born in 1926. They survived two world wars, a depression, a flu epidemic in 1918, a dust bowl. I mean, they had it. They survived some pretty yeah. horrible things. Well, that depression is a biggie, without a doubt. Yeah, they, they survived it. They made it through. And, you know, I know we we have a lot of, oh, woe is me, hand-wringing people. We would, the people that are still here, look at it this way, folks. You were saying a good thing. We survived it. Yep. Yes. We are still here. We survived it. If you it's can talk about rough. it, you did it. Amen. It's been rough, but we found ways around it. We survived it. The only thing that's heartbreaking is I think we split down the middle where 9-11 brought us together as a country in 2020. We just, everybody just came unglued and went their separate ways. I think we were anything but close. And I hate yeah, to see that. And I don't know whether that's because we all had to be apart because of the COVID or just it brought, this brought the true nature of some people out. The opportunists certainly took their opportunities to exploit things, and people are like sheep. They're easily led, and believe me, the idiots that are grinning all the way to the bank don't care what, at the end of the day, they really don't care about how you live. They're just worried about their wallet. It's the money, it's uh, what... What can I get from you? What can I make off of you? I, yeah. Amen. Oh, yeah. That's the disappointing part of 2020. And whether we ever recover from that, somebody, I don't know who it was, so, geez, I, I hate to hear about another 9-11 type thing, but it seems like that's almost what it would take to bring the country together again. And it's like, I don't even know if that'll do it. Uh, no, I think it's... It's 
I'll say this, and maybe this is being a grumpy old lady. <laughs> I see the youngsters today. If I acted half as entitled or half as bad as these kids or youngsters or people today, my mama would have whipped my ass till I couldn't <laughs> sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Her biggest line was, you're old enough for your wants not to hurt you. Oh, that's good. I like it. And you had to work and earn what you got. Yeah. Whether oh, yeah. it was allowance or whatever. These pe- people nowadays think, well, they call it the Karen culture. I want to talk to your manager. They think if you throw a big enough fit and people give in to it. They do, yes. You know, that's the problem because people don't have the balls to say, hey, you're wrong. The customer's not always right and you can go down the street to the next store if you're not happy here because my employee, I'm going to stand behind him. You don't get that anymore. So it's like, okay. It's, you you know, and I'm like, but you know something? It's made me be nicer to that cashier. It's made me be nicer to that server. Because I think they got to deal with that other shit. Yes. Oh, yes. The young generation today needs one word. Respect. They need to learn what that is. And everybody will act accordingly. And you know what? We'll all have a happier day. Because they don't even respect their own selves. Well, the problem is, I'm going to say why we have such a violent society is I call them the thumb generation. They sit in front of that television working their thumbs instead of being out engaging, playing like we did outside. We were actually We actually had to use our minds. We had to use our imaginations. We had to be creative. And we interacted with our friends, our playmates. And and we realized. I actually drank out of a water hose and I'm still alive. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah like man but you you isolate and I'm not talking about COVID that had to be I'm not going to argue that but when you let kids sit in front of a television with a video game for as long as I see some of them like I have one friend in particular his relatives they get upset when his daughter goes with him because it's like why do you bring her she's just on that box the whole time she's here just let her stay home that's their babysitter that's the babysitter so it's like, well, where's your interaction? This is your family. You know, one day you're going to outlive a lot of these people because you're younger and you're going to miss them. You're going to cry a bucket of tears. Spend that time with them now. Oh, stupid, Yeah, stupid box will be there at the, when you get back home and a goofy friends. And, who, and you know, friends are like the weather. As long as it's sunny, there they are. But here comes the rain and they're gone, man. They're looking for shelter. Your family will be there with you. I gotta say something though. I, and I cannot, and Alan and I talk about this frequently, we, I have to say, thanks to Glow or thanks to whatever, Alan and I, with both of our health issues, if it weren't for the love and support of Glow fans, family, friends, I don't know how we would have made it through. 
just having someone call and say, hey, are you okay? All right. Yes. You know, yes. or just saying, hey, I'm praying for you. That went, that's why we're here. And you know, it's not just words. The people that are sincere when they say, I'm praying for you, you know who they are, and then it does touch you. That's very good. And, you know, like I said, I could start a list with the amount of love and support, and like I said, it just, the good energy just, it does make a difference. Yes, it does. It does, you know. And it makes me appreciate people, my friends and family more. Very good. And Jimmy, you hit the nail on the head because we, we're going to have to start talking a little bit more positive all the time we got left on the show. Happy stuff. Let's talk happy stuff now. Make people lift them up. Well, I was going to say one thing I wanted to... Uh, I guess it can be happy, but one thing I wanted to ask you about, Nikita, you were a police officer, if my memory serves right, for some time. Um, yes. What is your opinions about how police have been treated in the last year or two? It sucks. You know, it's going to be, it's already a disaster. You, That's not a job where you can just say, well, I'll put an ad in the paper next week and we can fill these positions. It takes you almost six months of training, and it's just like wrestling. You came out of the school, and it's like, well, you're not going to be in the main event at WrestleMania. You just, you're green. You may know how to hit the ropes, but that's it. Same thing with the police department. You have lost so much experience that it will never be replaced. And the numbers... I know my old hometown of Baltimore, I just read an article where they said it's not just police. It's the fire department, too, the paramedics, because they got to take a lot of crap, too. My ex-father-in-law from my first marriage, captain of the fire department and EMT in Annapolis, Maryland, you're preaching to the choir. I've heard the stories. There you go. And it's like, you know, we're not just responding to the old lady with the heart attack or somebody that uh, broke their ankle or something. This is like you're dealing with the garbage that's out on the street. Okay, and when I say the garbage that's out on the street, there are people that have hard times and they know how to handle themselves and they have the resources. But those pirates that choose to live out on the street and are no good, they're the ones biting the EMT, stabbing them, fighting them. And it's like, even the nurses, some that I talk to, in the emergency rooms, it's like, they're sick of it. It's like, hey, people, you got to stop this. Uh, you hurt somebody's feelings. you got to start holding them accountable. Or at some point, you can't draft police. You can't make anybody take the job. You can't stop anybody from quitting, retiring, or whatever. And if they're not there, try to make it home from work without them and see how well that works out for you. And let me tell you, if it weren't for... And the police, and I will bring this up, when back in 2004 when Gaston almost killed me in a flash flood, a police officer didn't know me from Adam, had no idea, risked his life in those floodwaters to come save me. And the 
two days before his wife had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and he had two children under the age of eight. Mm. But he still went into those waters for the stranger because it was his job. And he cared. And, and he, he cared. cared. You know, and you know what? Thank God his wife is cancer free. The boys, oh, those two kids have grown up, top of their class as college graduates, and he's now training future officers. Beautiful. Nice. Now, see, you got to respect them. The police are what keep us safe. Sure, you got your bad apples. You got your bad apples in any business. But they're here to keep us safe. And I'm sorry. They don't get paid enough at to get stabbed, shot. The, the most dangerous call of all are domestic violence. You got some asshole beating up his wife, and you never know what they're going to do when the police show up. No. And uh, if you say, just like you said, they were bad apples. That's true, and people keep saying, well, the police need to be retrained. They need to have better training on how to deal. No, you need to get a hold of society and say, stop acting like you act, and because police don't know what you're about. But look, I can actually tell you to. My last couple of years, I was in internal investigation. I, I actually was forced to go there because I had a choice. It was either that, give up being a detective and going back to patrol, and I couldn't do it because of wrestling. But my eyes were open to so many things, and I never saw anybody turn a blind eye or say, well, we're not going to pursue that because that's one of our own. Throw people to the wolves. If you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit. You take what comes with it. Don't act like that then. Nobody was protected. In fact, I was part of a unit at one time where we went after people in our police department that were saying, I can't work anymore, but yet they're working other jobs and talking about not just working, but physical and saying, oh, well, too injured to come work for the police department. And it was like, okay, well, we turned them in. We videotaped them. We got interviews from people with their neighborhood and where they were working. Nobody ever said, well, hey, no, we take care of our own wink, wink. And it's like, no, first one that will turn you in is another police because they don't want to tolerate it. Oh, wow. Well, that's like that's like the Rolling Stones song, Sympathy for the Devil. Every cop is a criminal and all the sinners are saints. Mm -hmm. mm. It's got to get better because oh. I tell you, if this continues, there won't be a society. Nope. Not one worth it, living in. No, it's going to be too damn dangerous and... I tell you, it's not about, well, gee, you're saying that because you used to be one. No, I'm saying that because I lived in an area, we were multicultural where, where I grew up in Baltimore and working together. It's like, oh yeah, you know, when people look at it, it's like, well, you, how did you, see, this is where one of my questions come in. When you get these people that want to come around and tell you about black lives, it's like, well, what do you know about it? Did you ever hold somebody in your arms that was bleeding and dying? What do you know about it? You just want to have a slogan or you just want to march around with somebody that is because uh, you want to be part of that? Tell me what you really know about it. Who's there for the people that are left behind in the neighborhoods where the police are not and they're suffering? I mean, I read articles from Baltimore all the time where people say, we're living in hell. Now that they've handcuffed the police,
police, the drug dealers have taken over, and we can't even go to the grocery store. It's horrible. You've heard about California. They're shoplifting, and nobody's stopping them in Walgreens in California. Yes. yes. People aren't doing the damn thing. They're too, you know, I'm sorry. If you if you take away the police right to uphold the law, you you've got no society, like you said, Nikita. You really don't. No, it's going to be too dangerous. And when it comes down to George Floyd, I'm on a lot of pages with police, and I talk to a lot of hard nosed son of a bitches that walked those streets and rode the radio cars. I never heard anybody say. It was good what was done to George Floyd. He said, well, drawing to the wolves, you know, if he did that to, and the man died, then he pays the price. But to just paint the brush and say, well, everybody, all police are like that. It's like, isn't that what you're fighting against, that you want equality and not to be put all lumped into one group? So then it's like, how, how do you differentiate between the two? It doesn't make sense. You can't. I mean, it's like there shouldn't be one law for me and one law for you. A law is a law. Exactly. And if you don't uphold that law, then you don't belong in that job. And we, get, like I just said, we get them out as quickly as we can. Nobody sits back. Because you know what? There's always somebody that's answerable to another somebody, and they don't want to lose their job. So if they think that uh, anybody's going to close their eyes to something you did as a policeman and say, oh, well, don't worry about it. Bullshit. They don't just cut the limb off behind you. They uproot the tree and you're on your own. Nobody takes that risk. You exactly. do that, then you eat it. That's on you. That's your problem to deal with. And they, again, they do deal with it. So, yeah, but I see, hate to see it. That's the way it is. Today is, uh, we have a society of blame, blame throwers, and they they would rather not take responsibility and put the blame on somebody else than saying, hey, wait a minute, I was a stupid jerk, I screwed up, it's my fault. Yeah, I mean, there's no easy way, there's no offer, there's no polite way to do that job. There's no happy way to get that accomplished. It, it's just nasty. It's just there's all there is to it. You're dealing with people that have, when you break a trust, and that, that trust is the of society, when you step out against society, whatever the crime is, there's no such thing as a, as a minor crime. If you've decided to steal, do whatever, you have just shown you don't care. So it's like, all right, here comes the police. They've got a whole encyclopedia full of rules that they've got to follow. And the person that's the criminal, it's like, well, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You should have done that. It's like, forget it. It ain't going to work. And if you think you're going to keep people on that job and you're putting them in jail, putting the police in jail now because at some point you are going to be in a combative situation. It's just full of violence. There's no way around it. So if you're going to now say, guess what? You, you don't have the support 
of the politicians. Oh, God, forget that. The politicians won't touch anything. If there's any kind of press, negative press against what a police officer did, you're finished. Nobody's going to support that. You're gone. And today, everybody feels like whatever situation comes up, police are automatically wrong. So it's like, okay. How long do you think somebody's going to stay in a job like that? Whether it be your cashier at the supermarket, and they said, well, you know what? If you total somebody up wrong, we may charge you with theft, and you'll go to jail for it. It's like, well, the hell with this. I'm not going to do this anymore because odds are I'm going to make a mistake at some point, and then you're going to really stick it to me. So I'm gone. Goodbye. I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's a deadly tightrope. That's being walked right now. Well, There's not enough police out there right now. There's not. And it's going to get is. worse. We were headed to dinner one one afternoon with a friend. And this woman crossed four lanes of traffic and nearly missed us, but went into the ditch and stuff. Well, we stopped, put on the blinkers. People were stopping. And come to find out, the woman was sh had shot up before she got behind the wheel of the car. Oh my God. There were needles and hypodermics in her front seat. And my husband was like, the, the police, a lady police officer was reaching in. And my husband says, ma'am, they're needles. Be careful. Yes. And people that stopped to help, that woman and the police, it was black, white, Hispanic. And I'll never forget the cop. Shaking everybody, whether they were black, white, Hispanic, whatever, shaking the hand of the people that stopped and said, it's people like you that give me hope that the human race is okay. Because yeah. you gave Amen. a damn and you stopped and cared. There was none of this, well, I'm white, I'm black, I'm blah, blah, blah. It was people saw somebody in distress, whether it was self-inflicted or not, and stopped to try to help. We have enemies out there, and 9-11 proved it. And when they came, they came for all of us. They, those planes that became bombs were not just intended for one segregation or, or one no. part of our society. They were coming for all of us. Exactly. It, it's not done. It's not over. Every day, the, there's some threat that's put down, but at some point, you're going to miss and it's going to be devastating. And it's like, it's against all of us. We live in this country together, and we've got to take care of each other. Exactly. So we need to remember, and we need to get on that. Amen. Jimmy, well, what guys, do you say? <clears throat> it's been about an hour, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully people didn't turn us off and say, uh, well, you know what? I mean, honestly, it's it's just about respect. I think you know you should walk up and shake a cop's hand. Thank you for what you do. I mean, these guys, exactly. are, you shouldn't be calling them pigs, throwing stuff at them. I'm seeing videos of people just you know pull out the camera and start mentally abusing a cop, like verbally abusing a cop. It's just ridiculous. I just think respect. And you know why that people. is? You just said it. They pull out the camera. They want to become famous. They want to get a lot. You know, they want to get a payoff out of it because they think something's going to happen. And it's like, look, think about what you're doing. Is this making things better for anybody, or is it just fueling 
a damn flame that it just cannot sustain. Why take a, a minute to think about what it is you're doing, and then is it worse that? Because the repercussions are just, like I said earlier, you don't fill these jobs in a week or a month. It takes so long, so long to get police back on the street. It's not going to play out well. And the people that suffer the most are the people that are stuck in the neighborhoods. And they just, they're on their own. They can't do it. They have nobody to turn to. Except the police. It's like I saw, uh, I was watching, I was looking through YouTube, and this uh, African-American comedian, I forget the comedian, he did a, a YouTube video on how not to get the police pissed off at you. How to yeah, that was Chris Rock, I saw that, yeah. Yes, I loved it. I'm like, there you go. Don't be an idiot. Don't pull out your phone. Oh, I'm recording, I'm recording. Don't shoot me, huh? Does, there is a two-way street to everything. Just like, you know, with the marriage, you, you, you'll hear a story, oh, well, she's this, he's that. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you both have a fault here. You both need to clean up your act, and you both need to do better. It ain't just one-sided. And as far as, you know, when people say the police need more training, they, look, been training ever since I, I joined in 1979. Wow. And even back then, anything you did, use of force-wise, whether you punched somebody, whether you were held accountable, and you had to write, and I talked, and that's why I became a, a published writer, I guess, because I've written so much, police-wise, you write, you write, and you keep writing, and they want explanations as to why you did what you did, and why, and how, and it's like, man, oh man. I wish I'd never got involved, but... And you know what? It is is another thing. If you had parents like I did, my mom and dad both told me, if you get arrested, we ain't bailing you out of jail. Your ass is going to sit there. And if you have stupid to the top and he has to to throw you in jail, you did it. You got to sit there. They told me, when a police officer pulls up pulls you, it's yes sir, no sir, here's my license and registration, sir. You don't get there and get mouthy. Right. No, I I had that same situation. God help you if the police brought you home, because you're getting clobbered. You can be calling for the police yourself. The police come back and save me. (laughs) It's like I told my mom one day I was going to call the cops on her because she spanked me. She said, first let me call an ambulance because I'm going to give the police a reason to arrest me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. We stepped in to the household and how things were raised. We listened to too many talking heads anymore. These psychologists who want to tell you what you're doing wrong as a parent. And it's like, wait a minute. You know what? I, I said it earlier, and I put it in print. I came from a hell-type childhood. I got too much discipline, and it was unwarranted what I got. But I would say, did I become a better person because I was disciplined? Sure, without a doubt. 
because a lot of people say, well, you know, police, they join because they, they were bullied and they want to do this, they want to do that. It's like, no, no, I, I certainly was bullied by my father, but I didn't join the police department because I was going to make somebody else pay for that. That would be ridiculous. Well, it's, uh, it's like, I tell people, you know, when I have, I've had younger people say, you got spanked? That's horrible. I'm like, no, that wasn't horrible. What was horrible is once I calmed down, my parents would make me tell them why I got the spanking. Gotcha. And I damn sure knew there was a reason. Yes. Yes. That was worse. The spanking wasn't bad. It was, what did you do to get that spanking? <laughs> Where today, the, the parent that issues out the punishment, which I'm sure is not spanking, but they, if you go to the school the next day and tell them, oh, well, my parents punished me for this or that, oh, my God. Here they come with Child Protective Services and the whole routine. And it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You got to do what you, you got to try to keep this child. You got to, your teach discipline is the, from the word disciple, which means to teach. It doesn't mean this is for my pl my pleasure to sit here and spank you or punish you. or <laughs> I'm some sadistic bastard that I got nothing better to do. It's like, right. this is a form of teaching and getting this child prepared to go into society and be a good person. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys can agree. If, if the kid comes to school and he's got bruises on him, you know, something's broken and there's no excuse for it, then obviously there's some some problems right, going on. Too far. But, you know... With the police. You can't go that far. You have to know when to stop. You can't just Rodney King somebody because you're having a bad day. No. If you decide that you just want to pummel you know, your child, and something's wrong with it. You don't deserve to be a parent. The child should be taken out. Exactly. But, but there's got to be a happy median in there somewhere mm -hmm. to say, all right, you know what? Uh, what you did was wrong, but yes. there's a better way to discipline. Here's how. Try applying this. Then we'll see what how this child turns out. Not just... Will go, go cry, like a, a wrestling match where they're smashed with a chair or something. And <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen a lot over the yeah. years where uh, parents, it's like, man, how in the world? And the courts turn around and get the child back to the parents. And you're thinking, why? Why would you do this? But this how many times did you also see the parents were terrified of their child? Not that many, honestly. I really didn't see it that many times. I saw times when they were uh, in over their head where they couldn't control the child, no father at the home, stuff like that. Yeah. But I never saw not that many that were afraid. But uh, boy, did I see the amount of uh, child abuse. It was like, shoes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, coming from my background, I certainly, my heart bled for the poor kids. And, but the yeah. next day, here comes the, uh, the judge says, take him back, you know, go ahead. It's like, wow, really? That's unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. But you got parents today that are now afraid of their children. Well, I guess you are because they do hold the leverage, right? Because all they got to do is pick up the phone and call whoever and... You know, mom and dad are also worried about their jobs and how they look 
and their standing in society. So, yeah, uh, again, you know, it's like I, I when I see stuff about school shootings and all. Okay, I grew up in a house. My my dad and my two brothers hunted. We had guns everywhere. Right. I was bullied as a kid. Okay, I'm. I'm not going to sugarcoat school with me. I was smaller than everybody else. I wore glasses, and I was a bookworm. I was a bully magnet. But not one time did I ever even cross my mind to go grab one of my dad's guns and shoot up my school. Nope. I agree with you. I, I can actually top that. Being police, we carried a gun 24-7. My first marriage ended when uh, the wife decided to find somebody else. I got put out of that house, lost my kids, I lost my dog, I lost my vehicle. It was a nice property. But yet I had to go up to that door to get, when I had visitation, to pick my kids up and have that bastard answer the door. Mm. And I had a gun, and it never entered my mind to do anything like that. I mean, it was not even, a, like, a thought. So when the people say, oh, well, you know, your guns will do this, good. no, no, it's not about the gun. And you've heard that a million times, but it's the truth. It's about whoever and whatever they're going to do. Unfortunately, if they've got a gun and they use it the wrong way, well, then there you go. you got problems. But see, but, when my father taught me how to use a gun, he told me very simply, he showed me a dead deer, he said, that deer is dead. That gun made the deer dead. That gun can make little girls dead. When I'm ready to teach you how to be responsible, I will teach you. And one of the first things he ever told me is, do not ever pull a gun on another living human being unless you are willing to pay the consequences. Yes. Oh, yes. He said, because you've got to live with that decision whether you're going to pull that trigger or not. Well, here you go. I'm going to beat the dead horse one more time. That's why when people think police want to come out and just shoot people, it's like, no, they don't. No, I've never. And I've known some goofy bastard police over the years. I never had anybody that I sat across from at a roll call that said, I want to go out and kill somebody tonight. That never, ever is what it's on anybody's mind. That's like in a movie or something. What's that, Timmy? That's like what happens in the movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the movies, that's the other problem. You know, the Hollywood culture, it's, uh, people believe too much what they see on television and in the movies, and it's like, no, or, like, shoot the gun out of their hands, it's like, I wish. (laughs) I I try to tell people, you know, take your cell phone out. First, walk briskly around the block, and, you know, get your heart rate up pretty good, because that's what's that's what happens when you're all excited. Then try to take a nice still video of anything. It's impossible. You can't do it. Well, the same thing with the gun. If you don't have your breath control, that shot's going to go erratic. And believe me, anybody that's been in a situation like that, you certainly are anything but calm. And that heart is pounding. Everything is just spinning, actually. And it's like, no, it's not that easy. Wish it would be. It's, it should be like Star Trek where you zap them with that gimmick and they drop 
But hmm. instead, that uh, taser, it's like, that thing is deadly too. I, I'm glad I never had one. I was gone before they started to use that. And to me, it sounds like it's going to be a problem. And a lot of times it turns out that way. People die from it. It's like, I guess so. It's, I don't get it. But it's supposed to be a better form of control, which I don't, I don't think there is such a thing. Nope. Well, Jimmy, what do you think? We got a good show? <clears throat> yes, we did. We discussed wrestling. We discussed GLOW. Uh, we touched on WWE, AEW, coronavirus, police officers, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd. I think we've just about touched everything we could discuss. Oh, oh, oh. Speaking of, I want to give a shout out and a proud hot damn way to go girl, Roxy Astor and the Afterglow for winning the Broadway World Ensemble Cast of a Decade. Beating out Hamilton wow. and Chris Carver for winning Best Director of a Decade in Broadway World for Afterglow, the musical from a couple of years ago. Wow. I didn't even know they did a musical. That's fantastic. Well, it was a three-day thing in Los Angeles, and we got nominated in the Broadway World for a bunch of them, but we won the two big ones, Best Ensemble Cast, and our director won, the director won Best Director. Mm. Of the That's decade, great. not just of the year, the decade. Very good. And, you know, just uh, keep your eyes on Facebook, people. Keep your eyes open. After Blow Ain't Dead Yet. There you go. More, more. All right, guys. I'm going to hit the trail. All right, Nikita, don't fall in any mud. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. You know what? Let's do it again. Let's do it quick. Sounds good, guys. All right, guys. Dos Vidanya. God bless. God bless you guys. Dos Vidanya. All right. right, And Jimmy? Yeah. Let's not make it so long next time. All right. Sounds good. But, uh, oh, by the way, just to let people know, I told you Grimmy's back. I will be in, I will be in Connecticut in September. Nice. For Connecticon. I will be in Rochester, New York in September for Flower City Con. I will be in Tennessee in October for Dukes of Hazard Fest. And, of course, I'm returning to Rhode Island in November. Well, so far, I only have October's Dark History Con because SoCon got canceled, and uh, I think another one, yeah, well, the one I had in April got canceled too. So we shall and, see. And oh, I will be next weekend. I will be at the Richmond Raceway Compact uh, Complex for uh, Virginia Comic Con. Oh, and Heroes Assemble Comic Con in Richmond, Virginia, in September. Also, July thirty-first, I will be back at DCW for our first return card. Since COVID. Nice. So, Grammy busy. <laughs> well, that's good. Keep it up. And I've got a new line of Grammy Glow merchandise. I have buttons, bumpers. I have buttons, bridge magnets, keychains, 5x7s, t-shirts, and handheld whips. So, 
hit me up on Facebook. Everybody knows I'm a Facebook hoe. If you have any questions about my appearances or merchandise, hit me up on Facebook. And I'm just happy to be back with you, brother. It was not a fun show. Absolutely. Always a good time with you too, Grammy. And best of luck with your conventions and appearances. And we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Talk to you later. All righty. Bye. All righty, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.